The internet, as most of us know it, is running out of addresses. But since the late 1990s, engineers have been working on developing Internet Protocol version 6, or IPv6, to replace IPv4, the protocol used for what most of us think of as the internet. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. And to discuss the implications to organizations of IPv6 is John Curran, Chief Executive Officer of ARIN, the American Registry for Internet Numbers. Welcome, John. Well, thank you, Eric. Before we get into IPv6, take a few moments to tell us about ARIN. Sure. ARIN, as the American Registry for Internet Numbers, our job is to manage the allocation and distribution of internet addresses throughout our service region. Our service region is Canada, U.S., and 25 economies in the Caribbean. There are five regional internet registries, all not-for-profit, industry-led bodies that coordinate the assignment of internet addresses. Every computer on the internet has an internet address, what we call an IP address. It's an essential component of connecting to the internet. The regional internet registries make sure that those numbers are unique and that they're distributed throughout the globe to service providers of all types, telecommunication companies, hosting companies, cloud providers, to make sure everyone has enough numbers to get their job done. What are the main differences between IPv4 and IPv6? So IPv4 is the protocol that we've built the internet predominantly on. It's the one that was the original protocol of the internet. And it's how packets move through the wire. So every packet that goes through the internet has an IPv4 header and it has a destination. And there's a 32-bit field that identifies that destination. That 32-bit field means we have 4.3 billion approximate destinations that we can have on the Internet, which sounds like a big number, but as it turns out, 4.3 billion is actually relatively small compared to the world today. We have some 7 billion people spread throughout the world. People have smartphones, home Internet connections. They have Internet connections uh, at work. You can imagine each person needing four or five IP addresses, and that doesn't count servers that are generally used for business. If you've got seven billion people and you need four or five IP addresses for every one of them, that's forty or fifty that's thirty or forty billion IP addresses. And we can only right now with the IP version four, we only have four point three. So the internet is constrained by IP version four with how many devices we can connect to it. With IPv6, we realized this constraint nearly 20 years ago in 1992, and the Internet Engineering Task Force, the IETF, spent some time to work on a successor protocol. This protocol is called IP version 6, and it allows for many more destinations. Once we get the Internet switched over to IPv6, we'll never have to worry about running out again. Basically, all the IPv4 addresses have been allocated. What does that mean to end-user organizations and the way they use the Internet? What should end-user organizations do to prepare for IPv6? There are actually a few left in some regions of the globe. Aaron's one of them. But in the Asia-Pacific region, they've actually effectively run out. There's a small number that organizations can get. A company or service provider that might have hooked up 10,000 new customers every year. Now, instead of getting enough addresses for them, or is only getting a small allocation, like 256 addresses that have to be shared among 10,000 users. Effectively, we're out in Asia Pacific, shortly to be out in Europe, 
And in the North America region, U.S., Canada, and parts of the Caribbean will be out probably in about a year. What that means for organizations, if you're already connected to the Internet, you might say, I have my numbers, I'm connected, I don't need to do anything. But the Internet is an end-to-end network. And so if the other end is running IPv6 and you're running IPv4, you might not be able to talk to them. What does this mean? You need to look at your public-facing Internet, the things outside your firewall, the things like your websites and your email servers, and look at IP version 6 because some new users will be trying to access you with IP version 6, and you need to add that number, an IPv6 address, to your existing servers. You don't need new equipment. You just need to get your public-facing equipment numbered with both IPv4 and IPv6. Now, this is something organizations do themselves, or they go to their ISPs to do this? How does that work? Because the, the ISP has to route the traffic to you, you get your IPv6 address from your ISP. You call them up and say, I need a block of IPv6 addresses, and they'll do the assignment. Organizations can also come directly to Aaron, and that'll give them a set of addresses that's independent of their service provider. But that's not necessarily something that people have to do. It's perfectly uh, acceptable to get your addresses directly from your service provider. Are most service providers doing this for their customers, or is this something where the end user has to be proactive? Oh, you have to be proactive because you're already connected to the Internet. Service providers are focusing on connecting up new customers. I myself have run several service providers, both a nationwide backbone, two nationwide Internet backbones, as well as a hosting company before taking the CEO role at Aaron. Customers who want to use IPv6 need to contact their service provider and say they want to have an Internet connection that's both speaking IPv4 and IPv6. Is this costly or or not really? Depends on the service provider. It's not another piece of equipment. It's not a new router. It's not a new circuit. You don't need new fiber or copper. It's configuration over your existing connection. I do not know. You'd have to ask each service provider whether they charge a fee to do that configuration either one time or on an ongoing basis. That's really up to the service providers to, to handle. IPv6 is said to be more secure than IPv4. How so? Saying IPv6 is more secure than IPv4 is sort of like saying cars are more secure than trucks or vice versa. It's really in the implementation. In theory, IPv6 has the capabilities of security built in. So what we use today, which is IPsec, to do encrypted connections, is an add-on to IPv4. In IPv6, it's inherently part of the protocol. So all devices that speak IPv6 are capable of authenticated and encrypted connections. That, from a viewpoint, makes IPv6 more secure because the capabilities that you would have to add on to IPv4 are built in to IPv6. Of course, you don't get the benefits until that gets widely deployed. Aiming for an Internet that will have better security because of IPv6 we have to get there first. And in the process, we're deploying new, new equipment or new software. That new software that supports IPv6 is using IPv6 code that was written relatively recently. One of the advantages of IPv4 is it's had 20 years for us to find and, and fix any security issues. While the IPv6 theoretically will provide us a long-term, more secure environment, 
short term, people have to realize IPv6 is subject to potentially having things discovered in it that uh, simply because it's new and being deployed now much earlier than IPv4, which has 20 years of experience in looking for security holes. Can you identify any kind of vulnerabilities that have surfaced with IPv6 that uh, need to be needs to be addressed? That's really vendor specific. The reality is that there were vendors that have shipped IPv6 code that didn't properly check security options or wasn't appropriately stopped by a firewall. It's possible that everything's working exactly as designed, but that your firewall hasn't been configured for IPv6. So it's not really a security bug as much as you're turning on something new, you have to make sure you take the effort to secure it by setting up an appropriate firewall configuration for it. Otherwise, you might find you're passing the, all the appropriate IP version 4 traffic, but the same traffic when it arrives on IPv6 is given a free pass into your network. Is this the responsibility? I guess the ultimate responsibility would be to the end user, but is this something that an ISP can provide to their customers, or is this something that the end user always has to do? If someone is buying a managed service, whether that be a security or a firewall service, then obviously that's something that ISP has to provide as part of it. But this really is, just like any other security issue, end-user organizations need to pay attention to their security. And when they turn on V6, they have to remember to replicate their, their firewall security just as they did in IPv4. Is there a way to quantify how many organizations have already moved to IPv6? You have to understand, we've been working on IPv6 for 20 years. It became a standardized protocol with the IETF, the Internet Engineering Task Force, 1999. It's been pushed out. It's sitting right now in the laptop you're using. It might be in the smartphone you're using. So this has been a very long process to make sure that this software is actually already deployed everywhere, just hasn't been turned on. So in terms of deployment, IPv6 has remarkable deployment. It's very hard to find an operating system uh, that doesn't have IPv6 support in it right now today for any modern operating system. In terms of the number of organizations that have turned it on, People turn it on when they have the need, i.e. when we have people connecting up with IPv6, and that need really just started in Asia-Pacific a few months ago. So people are beginning to enable their websites as the first step. It's because the Internet is now running publicly, IPv4 and IPv6. We see somewhere around 1% or 2% of the Internet is IPv6 enabled, but that's going to change very rapidly. June 6th of this year, there's now the World IPv6 Launch Day, where the, some of the top content providers, such as Google, Facebook, are going to turn on IPv6 and leave it on. When you ask how much of the internet right now is IPv6 enabled, it might be a very small number, but it's due to increase significantly over the course of this year. As organizations uh, move to IPv6, are there other security implications they should be thinking of? Certainly, the, the question that comes up is, if you've got a website and you're trying to offer content to the Internet, there's going to be people trying to access it with IPv4 and IPv6. The ones who access it with IPv6, if you're not enabled with IPv6, they're going to go through a gateway. That gateway is going to be run by their broadband provider. If they're a cell phone, it'll be their mobile provider. If they're at home and they're using IPv6, 
and a broadband connection will be their broadband home provider. All the V6 users come looking at you like a handful of IPv4 addresses. You won't know who's accessing your website. All you'll see is a set of IP addresses associated with Northern Virginia or Southern California. So if you actually want to have security logs that reflect who's accessing you, if you actually want to have IP addresses that are unique per user and not per internet service provider, you won't have visibility into any of that unless you enable your website with IPv6. Anything else you like that? It's not that hard to do. As the internet moves over, people have to realize the growth will be on V6. If they don't make the change, people will still talk to them, but eventually you will find yourself in the backwater of the internet running only IPv4. Thanks, John. Thank you, Eric. Happy to be here today. I've been speaking with John Curran, Chief Executive of the American Registry for Internet Numbers. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.